So, Second Timothy chapter two, verse three: Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. That's where we'll stop reading right there. I know we've got a lot of different beliefs of folks that believe things that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. We're in a battle right now. And I've never seen the church face as much as an uphill climb as we're having to face today. And if we're in a battle, that means we're going to need some good soldiers. You, uh, they're hard to find, I'm afraid, in this day and age. And so you pray for a few minutes. But this, uh, verse 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And <clears throat> he never promised us that everything would be easy. And if you think that uh, you're going to get saved and Everything's going to be just heaven. I've got some bad news for you. We're still in the flesh. And we still have to fight. And uh, it's not a carnal warfare. The Bible says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's spiritual to the tearing down of strongholds. And uh, the biggest battle that we have to fight, I'm afraid, is with ourselves most of the time. The Bible says that there's two of us, that there's an inward man and an outward man. The outward man being flesh and the inward man being spiritual. But this is what Jesus had to say about that battle. He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so to make the Lord a good soldier, to win the victory, to fight the battle, we're going to need some good soldiers. And so pray for just a few minutes. And we, I know we've got some folks. I've got two boys that have been through basic training. I know Jim and Roger and different ones here are vets. They went through that. And when you go in to become a soldier, you don't go when you want to. You go when they tell you. And you do things the way they tell you to do. And they get your mind where you think the Army way or the Air Force way or the Marines way. And you do things their way. Because if they don't have everybody working together and in the same mindset, they can't win the, vac the victory. And that's how it works with the Lord, folks. We've got to clear our minds of everything and anything that would distract us from working for the Lord. We've got to, to get right to the center of His will, and sometimes that's hard to do. And, and so whenever these men went to basic, I'm sure they'll tell you the first thing that they did was they had them to exercise. They got plenty of that while they were at basic. And, and the, this is what the Bible has to say about that. It says, Bodily exercise profiteth little, 
when it comes to God's soldiers. But let us exercise ourselves rather unto godliness. For godliness with contentment is great gain. If we can get in the center of God's will, we can have great gain. If we can get where He wants us to, we can see great things happen. And I know in myself I'm nothing, but I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We, we let Satan tell us, we let Satan defeat us and tell us we'll never be nothing. He'll tell you you're wasting your time. He'll tell you you'll never see nothing good come about. But I'm here to tell you he's a liar and the father of it. And we've already got the victory. We sang 155, O victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere he knew me. Aren't you glad that we've got victory today? But there's still a battle going on and we're still going to have to fight. And, and as the fourth verse said, no man at worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may be a good soldier to him that called him in Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you today, we, we've got a battle. We're in, <coughs> we're in a battle today for souls. We've got lost men and women, boys and girls that are within reach of Dutch bottoms, and it's up to you and me to help win victory. And how do we do that? We concentrate 100% on what God would have us to do for Him. No matter how little it is or how big it is, we've got to do God's will. There's no other way that we can have victory. And so we read one time about a soldier named Uriah. He was under the king of David, and he fought under the captain of the host, Joab, down there, and they were in a battle. And, and you know David's story. I'll not go all through David's sin, how David called Uriah back to cover up his sin and, and told him to take this mess of meat and go down to lay with his wife to cover up his sin. But this was Uriah's response. This is what a good soldier would say when David questioned him as to why he didn't go down and lay with his wife. He'd been on the battlefield for months on end. He had done without, no doubt. He, he had suffered pain, no doubt. But instead of going down and being comforted by his wife, when David questioned why he didn't go down there, he said the ark and Joab, the captain of the host, and Israel are down there in tents on the battlefield. How can I go down and be with my wife? How can I do that and forget what, what I'm owed, what, what I owe my people? And I think it's about time that we take pride that we're part of the church of God. I think it's about time that we lift up the name of the Lord and worship Him and praise Him and forget about what everybody else has to say. I know the world don't like this kind of preaching where you raise your voice and where you're not smiling all the time and where you don't tell everybody that everything's alright. It's not alright. We're in a battle and we can face defeat if we don't do God's will. What defeat looks like, preacher? It looks like a sinner walking out that door unsaved. It looks like a sinner facing one more day lost and undone without God. And who knows if tomorrow is the day that they bust hell wide open. That is defeat. Now I know, and here we are, we're just a church this morning, and I've been preaching to you about some 
about some little girls for some time now. I'm here to tell you they're in danger. If you saw them running toward the road, I don't care whether you're 8 or 80, you'd break and you'd run as fast as you possibly could. You'd lift your voice, you'd holler, you'd scream, try to get their attention to keep from a car running over them in the middle of the highway. Why are we sitting here? Why are we quiet? Why are we praising the Lord? Why are we telling these little girls we love them and tell them we're praying for them. There is no shame in lifting up a sinner's name. The ark. Is down there on the battlefield. We used to sing this song, Jesus is Precious. Is he? Lo, I come. You know this verse, don't you? Lo, I come in the volume of a book. Thus it is written of me. If it's been a while since you picked this up, he's not as precious to you as you're letting on, Mike. If it's been a while since you've opened this book and learned about how much he loves you, he's not as precious to you as you're pretending he is. Oh, if it's been a while since you've read, I go away to prepare a place for you. Isn't that wonderful? What a promise. I go away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. This is him in the volume of a book. The ark is down there on the battlefield. Oh, I'm here to tell you today, if we're going to have victory, we've got to have the ark down there on the battlefield. And our heart needs to belong to this. And we go on and do that. And Uriah said to Joab, the captain of the host, now listen, there's times I come in here, I'm up on the mountain. Times I come in here, I'm down in the valley. But I'm glad I'm with you. Oh, Uriah loved Joab, didn't he? He wanted to stand beside him. I know if you follow me long enough, you'll be disappointed. I'll let you down. But I'm here to tell you, I'm glad to stand beside you in the battle until we can go in victory together. The ark and Joab and Israel. <coughs> They've said we, in the last three months, we can't meet more than 10. <laughs> and then they said we couldn't meet more than 50 and more than 50% capacity. But I can run into every one of you on the same aisle at Home Depot. We can all buy bread at the same time at Food City. Tell me we're not in a battle. You tell me Satan's not trying his best to shut the doors. I'm here to tell you today, you know why? 
because we got four little girls lost and undone. He just assumed we'd never unlock that door again because he knows if we get where we need to be, if we put the ark first and we put and we do our best to present the gospel and we stand in our place and we have our weapon. What is our weapon? Is it a good preacher? No. Let me just tell you this. These boys were trained. They had an outfit. They had a uniform that they had to wear. And, and, and so we have one as well. We have the helmet of salvation. You can, I heard a preacher say one time, we had so many coming to my church, I had to put sinners in to teach Sunday school. You wasted your time. Without the helmet of salvation, how can you tell somebody else how to be saved when you've never experienced the real thing? We've got the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Don't you forget to put it on. Now listen. You've seen the, the movies about World War II. Those men had helmets, didn't they? It was for protection. If they raised their head up and a gun was fired, that helmet was supposed to protect their head. But if you didn't put the helmet on, it was your own fault. Don't forget to put your breastplate on. The breastplate of righteousness. Now, if I'm not righteous, I can't be wearing the breastplate, can I? Oh, let's go on. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Read over, I believe it's in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, about the qualifications of the bishop. And it says, not a novice, lest being lifted up. There's some preparation in this. Here's a young lady right here that's been raised in church. She's been going through some preparation. She's been taught how church is supposed to be carried out. She's been taught to reverence the church. I've never seen her running around. I've never seen her talking, plumb out loud during the service. She's been taught to reverence the house of God. She's been taught that it's important. I'm here to tell you today, the Bible says, train up a child in the way it should go, and when it is old, it will not depart from it. There's some training going on. Let's face it. I love you, John. You've been here for years. You've been a deacon and carried on. I love Marty. He's been here for years. He's been a deacon and carried on. Roger's been here for years. He's been a deacon and carried on. But we're not always going to be here. So we've got to train our young generation to carry on till Jesus comes. What's the training look like? Galatians chapter 6. Pray without ceasing. And in all things giving thanks. And somebody, maybe we mentioned this scripture not long ago and somebody said something to this effect. And there's a song we used to sing. Thank you for the valley. I walk through today with the valley. Oh, Keith. <laughs> Remember David. I'm sure... I know all Israel's knees knocked with Goliath belling. Oh, 
And where did the battle take place but the valley of Elah? And men gave little David no chance. He didn't look like much of a soldier, did he? And we discount people today because they don't look like us, because they don't dress like us, because they don't talk like us. It doesn't matter what they look like, what they sound like. It's the heart that God is interested in. David was a little obedient boy. He didn't look like much, and nobody gave him a change. But he was a man. Oh, listen, the, the men might have said that little old boy is going to get destroyed. But God called little David a man after God's own heart. The world may discount you too. But I'm here to tell you today, you can have victory in Jesus if you'll make him a good soldier. Oh. <clears throat> You're going to have a battle. That's just the way it is. <coughs> And while everybody counted little David out, David didn't, did he? Because he had depended on God before. He had faced the lion. Can't you just hear the lion roaring? And David, with the help of the Lord, slew the lion. Now we look at Goliath. And we say, oh, what an enemy that he had to face. That wasn't the first enemy that David faced. Oh, he had faced the lion. Would you like, would, it, would you care to face the lion? I wouldn't want to stand in front of one, would you? He faced the bear. And we see all time on TV, we're over in Cage Cove. They have bears and stuff. And people walking right up to them. I wouldn't want to face one that was angry at me. Why, it would slap me and blood would go everywhere. I wouldn't want to face one. And listen, you better not volunteer to face old Satan yourself either because he'll slap you silly. He'll knock you down. He'll have you defeated. And David was smart enough to realize that. He said, the battle is the Lord's and he will deliver you into mine. Preached not long ago on the five smooth stones. But I want you to realize David had to depend totally upon the Lord. You will too if you're going to have victory. You will too. And it may not be in the way <clears throat> that you think. Now you ask these men. Ask these men. They've been in the service. When they were given an order, their superior didn't care what they thought. You were given the order and you were supposed to carry it out. It didn't matter what you thought. God's looking for somebody just to do what he tells them to. He wants somebody just to follow orders. No matter how silly it might seem to the world, no matter how you think it might be something that would be beneath you. The Lord just wants somebody to follow orders. 
Let me just give you a couple of anecdotes and I won't be much longer. <coughs> I was pastor at Round Mountain and I've told this before, I'm sure. Had a guest preacher come in on a Sunday night. And he did a good job preaching. And when he got done, you know how tradition is in Baptist churches, I thought Shorey would call for a song and we'd go around in the little high circle as we often do and shake hands. But he didn't do that. He said, I feel like somebody has got a testimony they need to share. There was a grandmother on the second pew on this side of the church over here stood up and she made her acknowledgement. She said, I've not prayed like I should have. And if you don't know the value of prayer after last Sunday, we're hurting. Oh, she said, I've not prayed like I should have. And I want the church to forgive me. And we went on and there was three or four more talked. And that, that lady's daughter over here on the opposite side of the church stood up. And she said, I've got a lot at stake. I've not done everything I should have for the Lord. I want the church to forgive me. And then we went on and the, and the service just got better and better. Spirit just rising and rising. And the pastor standing over there against the wall colder than a frog. And I was praying and I said, Lord, what would you have me to do? I thought he'd give me a little word to say. I thought he'd give me a little song to sing or something to play for somebody. And just as soon as I got serious with God and I said, Lord, what would you have me to do? I looked and on the second pew beside that, that mother, there was a little boy about eight years old. And the Lord said, go talk to that boy and ask him if he wants to be saved. I thought, well, Lord, you know how you do. I'm the world's worst for if, Keith. If that's you, Lord, if have so-and-so do this, have so-and-so do that. And I finally just had to go talk to the lad. I eased in. I sat down beside him. I put my arm around him. I said, son, would you like to be saved? And he about run me down. He ran over me. He stepped all over my feet and ran to the altar. I didn't have to make a big speech. I didn't have to preach. I didn't have to sing. The Lord had a specific job he wanted me to do and no more. And when I did my part, we had victory. It may not be a grand speech. It may not be something that draws attention to you. It may just be the small thing that brings victory. I guess I've told this one as well. I was pastoring and went back to the church I was raised in. They were in revival. And Eric Ellison, you know Eric. He's the, he's the man that brings our sheep for the pageant. His daughter, she's grown now. She's in college. But she was about eight or ten years old and sitting on the second pew. Service was going well and it got kind of quiet. Nobody wanted to say anything. And the evangelist said, oh Lord. What do we do now? And three or four seconds passed in silence. And then there was a deacon's wife that I had never heard sing a note in my life. And she was standing right where you're at, sister. And she laid her hand on the young girl's shoulder. She began to sing a song. Whoa, was she in perfect pitch? No, she wasn't. 
Did it sound like the angels singing? No, it didn't. But there was something that stirred on the inside. And as she sang the song, the tears started to flow. She got through the first verse and part of the chorus, and a little girl bolted out and ran down to the altar. If you do the little things God would have you to do, we'll see victory. The Lord needs some good soldiers. I've seen soldiers that wanted to do more than they were asked to do. You you know what that does? That kills every bit of the spirit. Have you seen those before? I've seen those before too. Sometimes he just wants us to sit and take our part. Went to a revival one time over to church in Morristown. They called everybody up on the altar for altar prayer. There was a home preacher stood about right in here, and it was so crowded. There was a big crowd there that night. It was shoulder to shoulder on the altar. The people began to make their requests, and this, this man spoke up, and he said, I had a dream, and he continued to talk. And he began to explain his dream, and before he got done, he had more or less said everybody in the church was wrong except him. And the longer he talked, the more the distance between him and everybody else on the altar. By the time he got done, there was a 10-foot circle around him. And when he got done talking, and this is one reason I've always admired this pastor, he didn't give editorial. He didn't give anybody a chance to say anything. Sometimes if you give Satan an opportunity, he'll jump right in. Did you know that? So the preacher said this. He said, everybody pray. As soon as the man hushed, he said, everybody pray. And the, and the whole church fell down on their knees and prayed. And as soon as the prayer was over, he didn't call for a song. He didn't call for anybody to talk. He said, pray for me. He opened up his book and he preached, try the spirit. Oh, I'm telling you that day. There's a right one and there's a wrong one. And if you try to do more than what your orders call for, if you're not careful, you'll be in the wrong one. We got some of the best singers that I know of. But I appreciate what they do. They're not jealous. They don't try to take the service over. They just want to sing what the Lord gives them and have a seat. That's all you need to do. Folks, I'm here to tell you today, if I can't preach with my preaching brethren, there's not something wrong with them, there's something wrong with me. If I can't sing with Becky, there's not something wrong with her. There's something wrong with me. If I can't sing with Jim and Sue, there's not something wrong with them. There's something wrong with me. Oh, we're put here. We're one church. That's all that there is. And we need to worship together. And if God blesses Jim, praise the Lord. I'll worship with him. If God blesses Becky, praise the Lord. I'll worship with her. Let's be glad God came by and we found his presence one more time.
the Lord needs some good soldiers. Now, if I called names, you would know every one of them. And if I said, do you love this one? Every hand in the church would say, yes, I do. Well, do you? Because it's about time we do our part. When Zion... Amen? My wife is sitting right back there. She'd have cravings for pickles, and I'd go to Food City and get pickles for her when she was pregnant. And I could tell you stories about when she was expecting and things like that. But when it came time for those babies to be born, all the silliness was laid aside. She got serious about it. Nothing else mattered but that child entering this world safely. When Zion, who is Zion? You are the church. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. You must be. He didn't say we had to be a Baptist. He didn't say we had to be Church of God. He didn't say we had to be Methodist or Presbyterian. But he did say we must be born again. To have a birth, you have to have a mother. We have a heavenly father. Your mother is the church of the living God. So when Zion travaileth, she'll bring forth children. Aren't you glad? Oh, Pat Cody taught me. She fed me chocolate chip cookies and she prayed for me. Thanks be to God for those in my life, John, that acted as the church that took my name before the Father and said, will you pray? Will you talk? Will you help that child to be saved? Will you send salvation his way? Here we are, Pat Cody's dead. She can't pray for another one. But you're here, and you're here, and you're here, and you're here, and I'm here. It's about time we do the part of a good soldier and lift those children up because I want to see them saved, don't you? Oh. We're not going to take China. We're not going to march into Mexico. But we can shout victory all over this altar. And when we see this one over here saved. When we see this one over here saved. When we see those two back there saved. We can say we want another battle. And then when he comes back, Carolyn, on the clouds, sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Saying his beauty and his grace in the mansions bright and blessed. He'll prepare for us a place. What's the chorus say? When we all get to heaven 
What a day of rejoicing that will be. We'll have the victory, won't we? We'll, what's the last slide say? We'll sing and shout the victory. Oh, you've heard that old saying. It's not biblical, but it says to the victor belong the spoils. I'm here to tell you today, men have killed for ounces of gold. And that day we'll walk all over and John and not even notice it because there'll be something there more precious than gold. The Savior will be there that brought us from hell, that kept us out of that place, that brought us the victory. What a day when we get to see Jesus. Now, if you ask these veterans, They'll probably tell you they didn't do everything just perfect while they were in the service. Might have been a time or two that they meant to do something the right way and it just didn't go the way they thought it would go. I've done that too, haven't you? There's not a Christian that's never made a mistake. There's not a Christian that's never failed, that's never come short. Folks, and I can't tell y'all the ranks. I know the corporal, sergeant, colonel. This is what the master had to say. You've been faithful over a few things. Aren't you glad you didn't have to have everything right? If you had to have everything right, I'd have done messed it a long time ago. I messed it up. You've been faithful over a few things. Enter in to the joys of the Lord. How about this one? When the saints go marching. I'd say, Jim, you've probably spent a lot of time in basic learning that cadence, that step, just how to march. They get it right. And you do it until you get it right. Our steps may not always be where they need to be, but we can get back in line if we put Jesus first. We can march on to victory. Now listen, folks. You may be here and you say, I'm in no shape to fight. Well, here's what you do about that. I'm overweight by 40 pounds and I want to lose that I need to exercise I'd say and we've already covered the scripture about bodily exercise but if I'm out of shape spiritually and that's easy to get that way if I'm out of shape spiritually I need to do some deep knee bends matter of fact I might even need to go all the way to the ground Say, God, and stay there. And stay there. Now, John, just this week, had the dye test done on him where they check for blockages and stuff. Your heart's a muscle, just like your bicep, just like your tricep. We need to pour this heart out to the Lord and let him get it in shape. And I'm not talking about that organ in your chest. I'm talking about that soul, folks. It's about time we get back in shape. 
Well, preacher, I'll just let you do the preaching. I'll let our singers and our deacons and folks like that bear the burden. And who knows when as you're going home and you're the only car on the road and you run upon one that's wrecked and in their last few dying breaths they say, pray for me. Are you in shape to do that? Let me tell you something. If, if the battle was telegraphed, but they're not, are they? You never know when the enemy's going to attack. It pays to be ready. 201 in the psalm book. There's a great day coming. A great day coming, there's a great day coming by and by when the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you? Are you ready to help somebody because they may need it today? They might not can wait until you can get yourself right tomorrow. Are you ready should he call you today? If the Lord came by today. Now according to nature, my dad is laying right over here. He's got dementia. He's bed fast. Some days he knows me, some days he doesn't. According to nature and human expectations, he should probably be the one that uh, I would worry about that would leave this world. But it could be me. It could be my boy. It could be your child. We better be ready. We better be in shape because we never know when we're going to have to stand. Amen. Folks, the Lord needs some good soldiers. He just needs soldiers that will follow orders and do what he'd have them to do. You don't have to preach the word. You don't have to be in perfect pitch and harmony. You don't even have to be at the front of the church. But you have to be in the center of God's will. If you can do that, you can be a good soldier. Have a friend. He never has held an office in the church that I know of. He's never been a deacon. Sang very, very few times. But he's absolutely got a gift for talking to sinners. He's got a gift for talking to the unchurched. For the people that are lost and they've never darkened the door of the church, he has a gift for that. Your gift may not be to preach the gospel. Your gift may not be to sing or to teach. But God has a work you can do. And if you want to make him a good soldier, you'll have to do what he'd have you to. All right.